West Coast and a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dias, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of EloquentOnline.net in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas, Republic there. Of This is the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? And welcome to a special episode that I'm calling a picture podcast. The title of our episode today is American Girl. Now, I've only posted one picture for this podcast, not even using my logo. So if you have the ability to look at the picture while you're listening to the podcast, I hope you can do that. If not, I hope you can find time to listen to the podcast or go back and look at the picture when you have time to do so later. Back in the mid-2000s, I had started doing a keynote event, a keynote speech, as I called it, a keynote spoken performance called Girl Power. It was all about women coming into roles that had previously been mostly held by men. And it wasn't just women in the military, although that's what we're going to talk about today on this special edition to wrap up Women's History Month. But it was about other things. And there was a lot of cumulative data that what had started at the end of the 20th century was continuing in earnest in the 21st century. The simple fact is women live longer than men. They inherit more money than men. And they graduate from college in greater numbers than men. And all of those things were coming together. And so since my audience was a banking audience, for the most part, it was relevant to say, you know, if you're targeting your advertising at the head of household, assuming that it's a man that's in charge of the family finances, you might be missing out because a lot of women are doing that role now. They are the chief financial officers of their household. And in many ways, they always were. And so I had this session called Girl Power, and of course I wanted to talk about it because it was very timely. The the deployments after September 11th placed women on the front lines in ways that they had never been before in previous wars. I served in the Middle East in a war, in a shooting war. I didn't just serve in the war. I fought in the war. But even in 1991 in Desert Storm, we we sort of had lines. You know, we were in Riyadh. The Iraqis were across the border in Kuwait. There was what we used to call in the military a front. And you could be on the front lines or behind the front lines. And there were very few women in those frontline positions. Fast forward nine years later to Operation Iraqi Freedom, what the men and women refer to as OIF 1 and 2, and suddenly, as this picture clearly demonstrates, women are on the front lines because there are no lines. And so I want to do this like giving you a tour of this picture And I want to talk about some of the assumptions that I made and why I made them and why I believe if you're going to celebrate Women's History Month, you cannot ignore the contributions of women veterans, especially in the deployments after September 11th. And so as I'm preparing to do this keynote event many years ago, I just Googled female soldier Iraq. And this, at the time, was one of the first ones that came up. I deliberately did not do a lot of research 
on the photo because I just wanted to use the picture. I did not want to know. I was actually concerned. What if this is a picture of a young lady that's been killed in action? And so I deliberately didn't do a lot of research. There was plenty I could tell from the picture just looking at it. Now, the reason for the name of the episode, American Girl, is because when I first saw this picture, that was the song that popped into my head, Tom Petty's American Girl, because on her right shoulder, you can see the American flag, which is not in the subdued green and black format. It is in the red, white, and blue, and it just jumped out at me, American Girl. The next thing that I was obviously drawn to was her face. I I made her for maybe 19 years old, so very young. And then the look on her face, the word that jumped into my head, the word was winsome. We've all had this look on our face at some point when we're downrange that, how did I get here? I always wonder, what is she thinking? It is very possible that two or three years before this picture was taken, this young lady was in high school doing the things that high school students did in the early 2000s before smartphones and social media. I believe this picture was taken in 2005, and it is in Iraq. I have done some research on this photo that I will tell you about at the end. Okay. Although we're celebrating Women's History Month, to tell you about the obstacles that women overcame in the American military, we have to start with somebody like me because I was part of the problem, if you want to be perfectly honest about it. I was not an accountant. I was not a dental hygienist. I was not a cook when I was in the Army. I was an infantry soldier, a trigger puller. When people asked me what I did in the Army, I would answer, I kill people and break things. Simple as that. That's what I trained to do, and that's what I ultimately ended up doing in the Battle of Kafji on or around February 1st in 1991. So I know what I'm talking about here. And so when I saw this picture... Because I am a a former light infantry soldier with certificates from some of the toughest schools in the American Army, I did make some assumptions because this soldier is a lady. My first assumption was that she was in some rear support position, a clerk or a driver. And and that's just, that is just a simple, uh, unfortunate condescension that those of us in the infantry have about everybody else in the army. Well, as you can see from the picture, she is right in the middle of it. And any number of bad things can happen to her in the next few seconds while this picture or after this picture has been taken. Now, I want to go sort of from head to toe. You can't see your toes, but I want to start at the head and just tell you a little bit about um, this young lady and some of the other impressions I had about this a remarkable soldier. The other words that popped into my head were wire tight. She's wire tight. That's a phrase we use in the army when something is really, really good. And she is. She's wire tight. She's got everything put together and she looks like she means business despite that winsome look on her face. And some of the assumptions I made were based upon the equipment that she has. And so I'm going to cover that as well. 
If you start at the top, that is the familiar Kevlar helmet, same one that I wore when I was in the war in 1991, Operation Desert Storm. It is believed to be able to stop a 7.62 caliber round. That is the round fired by most of our enemies, AK-47 round. Now, some people don't think it will. Uh, You're still going to feel it. If it hits you in the helmet, you're not going to like it. But that's what it's rumored to stop. She has goggles on, um, uh, sitting on top of her Kevlar helmet. This was my only uh, gig, if you will, when I saw this picture. She should probably cover those goggles so they don't give off a glint and let some jerk down the road who wants to take a pot shot at the Americans know where she's standing. Below the goggles, you see some clips that are just above her eyes. That is for night vision goggles. That is why I thought she might be a driver. Anyway, as you come down again, there's her face again, just so very young. If you look at the collar, if you look at the collar that you see coming up around her neck, I cannot tell, because it's been a while since I was in the Army, if that is the standard flak vest. The flak vest will help protect you against fragments from explosives. It will, however, not stop bullets. Now, by the mid-2000s, a lot of the military soldiers that were deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan had what were called sappy plates. They were these ceramic inserts that you could put inside your, your vest that would protect you from rounds. Now, I, so I can't really tell this is a flak vest or a ceramic plate vest. I think it's just the flak vest. It is very heavy, by the way. If you ever get a chance to put one on, I encourage you to do that. It's very, very heavy. Now, if you look over her left shoulder and over to the right, you see these two huge orange dump trucks that are driving by. If either one of those trucks is filled with a 1,000 pounds of explosives, none of that protective equipment is going to matter. This young lady is in what is arguably at the time the most dangerous place on earth. If you come down on her right shoulder, you see the American flag and beneath it, the familiar screaming eagle of the 101st Airborne Division out of Clarksville, Tennessee. Yes, I know it's in Kentucky, but everybody in the Army knows that Fort Campbell is really in Clarksville, Tennessee, easily the most famous American Infantry Division, which is tough for me to say because I was a proud member of the 7th Infantry Division. The reason I say she's wire tight is look at the way she's holding her weapon. Nobody in the Army has ever called this a gun. It is your weapon. When I was in the war, I carried the M16A1. This is the M4 carbine, the familiar carbine that is familiar to all Americans now. If you look at the way she is holding it, it is perfect. Her finger is not on the trigger, but it's near the trigger. What you can't see is her right thumb is wrapped around the handle and is probably resting on the safety. And so with just one click of her thumb, she can be ready to go. I do not know if her weapon is loaded. While it's very hard to see, if you look just below her name tag, it's kind of hard to see. There is a charging handle. When you pull that back, it chambers around. Now, if you look up into the right 
as you're looking at the picture from her index finger, you can kind of see a little white line. It's a hinge. It's a little door. That is That door will come open. That little hatch will come open when you pull back the charging handle. And when you shoot this weapon, the, the spent brass casings fly out of that space right there. However, in the Middle East, as great as this weapon is, and I'm convinced the M16, M4-style carbine, the greatest weapon in the history of human warfare, by the way. However, it's very susceptible to dust. And so you're trained, once you've locked and loaded, to close that hatch, that door, and so dust doesn't get in there, the most important part of the weapon, because that's where the rounds are fed into the chamber and ejected, and that's where a lot of the jams come from, especially in the prevailing climactic conditions of the Middle East, where you have a lot of dust. And I just love the way she's holding this weapon. The other reason I made some assumptions about her being more of a rear echelon type was because there are no optics on the rail of this weapon. I know that looks like a handle on top of her weapon. It's not. Nobody in the military ever carries their weapon that way. It protects the rear sight post, which is a circular sight. You line that up with the front post that you can see towards the front of the weapon on top of the barrel, and that's how you aim this type of weapon. Because it didn't have any optics on it, which were becoming more and more common by the mid-2000s, the weapon that I carried in Desert Storm didn't have any optics on it either, but then again, nobody's did in 1991. And so I thought maybe she's a support driver, but the way she's holding this weapon, it just, she just looks so good. Just looks so, just so soldierly, army strong, wire tight. Now, the weapon that she is carrying, if you look behind her, you can see a couple of people. There's two people off on the right-hand side of the picture behind that orange truck. They're about, I would say about 80 meters away this weapon, if anybody out there in that blurred area, back in those buildings, back where you see those trees, if some wise guy wants to take a few pot shots at the Americans, there is no other weapon on earth that I would want to have. The M4 rifle, though it shoots a comparatively smaller round when compared to an AK-47 round, this weapon shoots a 5.56 caliber weapon compared to the 7.62 caliber of the AK-47 this weapon fires a round that travels so fast that were it not for gravity and topography, and if you're fortunate, a target, it travels one mile in one second. Think about that. How long would it take for you to get one mile? Whatever you're doing right now, how long would it take for you to get one mile away from where you're listening to this podcast? Just like that, this weapon shoots around out that fast. I just always, when I look at this weapon, I always think of like the great white shark. When you see a great white shark, you can just tell. It's just meant to go around eating things all day. This weapon is made for killing other human beings. And it takes a tremendous amount of training and professionalism to carry and shoot and safely handle this very, very deadly weapon. And just the way she's holding it, just the way it just looks so natural. And that's why I just think it is, and I know it is for me, my favorite picture from the wars in Iraq after September 11th, all of those deployments. Now, 
Women in frontline positions are very common now. It was becoming very common. Then we had military pilots, military helicopter pilots that were women. But this young lady is on the front lines. There is no denying it. And while many groups of women have overcome obstacles and prejudices, most of them didn't do it while standing and operating and serving in one of the most dangerous places on planet Earth. Over 150 women were killed in the Operation Iraqi Freedom deployments. I'm pleased to say this young lady was not one of them. She finished her deployment and currently resides here in the great state of Texas, Republic thereof. I must confess, I was a little disappointed when I saw all of the women's history posts earlier this month, and none of them, none of them had a female veteran represented. Nap, you had to change their photo at my behest, because what these women have accomplished in the American military is truly amazing. This young lady, along with thousands of other young women, have pioneered new roles for women in the American military that were previously held only by men. As it turns out, I would find out that she is actually in the public relations office of an artillery battery attached to the 101st Airborne Division. And so while she might be driving a vehicle as part of her job, um, she's right there where the action is. She is not operating behind enemy lines. There are no enemy lines. She is in a 360-degree battlefield. And once she gets that winsome look off her face, I know if anything bad happens, she's ready to lock and load, and it's go time. My name is Jason Dias. Thank you so much for listening to a special edition of the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? It's been great reliving some of these memories. I've been looking at this picture for about 17 years, and I'm so glad to share it with all of you. If you know a female veteran, give her a call and say, hey, thanks for all you've done, because these young ladies, they absolutely perform spectacularly everywhere they were deployed. So happy Women's History Month, one and all. And until next we speak, we'll talk to you all next week. Take care.